0: I V M. I V M. Hi, I'm Utsav, a behavior researcher by training and a slow traveler by passion. Postcards from Nowhere is a travel podcast where I condense a decade of travel experiences and explore not just the where, but also the why and how to travel. My stories emerged from slow traveling the less explored parts of the world. Bosnia and Herzegovina, Armenia, Uzbekistan, and even China. At the end of each story, I give practical tips and new ideas about how to travel better. This week, we traverse the story of a less celebrated bunch of heroes of the Holocaust, a humble pharmacy in the ghettos of Krakow, Poland, and the impact they created by their everyday acts of heroism. On 3rd May 1941, the newspaper Krakowa Zetung published a decree issued by Otto Wachter, the Krakow district governor. It was concerning the establishment of a so-called Udisab industry, a Jewish quarter for health and security reasons. An area on the far side of the Vistula river was designated for this purpose. Its boundaries would separate the ghetto from the Aryan part of the city. The deadline for all Aryans to leave the demarcated ghetto area and for the Jews of Krakow to move was set for 20th March, 1941. And so the migrations began. From daybreak until late into the evening, trolleys, furniture carts, farm carts and hand carts moved through the city streets. People fainted from exhaustion as they dragged handcarts loaded with their possessions a long way across the city. The face of Kashimir's or the historical old town of Krakow, changed in character. Bearded Jews with sidelocks, black gabardines, yamulkas, felt and fox fur hats were no longer seen walking around the squares or chatting on street corners. The sight of Jews praying on the banks of the Vistula River at Rosh Hushana was no longer to be seen. Tadeusz Pankiewicz and his family had to move outside the ghetto walls as no Aryan was allowed to live inside it. He, however, continued to work at his pharmacy known as Port orlen or Under the Eagle Pharmacy. He was given permission to continue operating his establishment as the only pharmacy in ghetto and reside on the premises. His staff were given passage permits to enter and exit the ghetto for work. After the Jewish festival of Passover, the ghetto began to take a new appearance. Dozens of labourers, builders and carpenters worked day and night putting up walls, hammering in stakes and erecting gates. People watched in horror as the walls rose up around them built in the style of Jewish tombstones. Eventually, the whole place was walled in with just three entrances and a tram line running through the ghetto. In the early days of the ghetto, various small ads also began appearing on the walls of the town and in the underground news sheet of the resistance, Goniec Krakowski or the Krakow Messenger. The ads were a mixture of malice and macabre, intending to ridicule and humiliate the Nazi invaders. A few would read, For sale, Jewish jewellery, blood washed off. Commandant Amon Göth, Plaszow Concentration Camp. Or this one. I can kill babies in the ghetto with one shot and sniff out a Polish conspirator even when I'm drunk. People adapted to the conditions in the ghetto. New shops, restaurants, bakeries and eateries kept sprouting up like mushrooms after rain. But every now and then, German SS men would walk through the ghetto, punch and kick elderly Jewish men, shave off their beards and yank their hair. In all this madness, The pharmacy was like an embassy, a diplomatic post representing a world that was free within the world ghetto. It became a daily ritual where people from all walks of life and ages would meet regularly, read the German and the underground press, and discuss and assess the political situation. There were painters, musicians, doctors, religious figures, and regular people who passed through the pharmacy. One such person was Dr. Appaport, whose first name remains unknown. Dr. Appaport had PhDs in law and philosophy, and he was a mathematician by his sheer enthusiasm for the subject. Once, he came to the pharmacy and said that he wanted to send a registered letter to Geneva because he claimed that he had solved a mathematical problem, one which Pythagoras regarded as unsolvable. The problem is known as the angle-trisection problem, which is about dividing an angle into three parts using a ruler and a compass. While Pankiewicz could not send the letter, he introduced him to Professor Tadeusz wadzicki a renowned professor of mathematics at the Jagiellonian University in Krakow. The two mathematicians met twice and Professor Wozetsky checked the proof. He noted that while the problem could not be solved completely, Dr. Rapoport's was one of the best and most accurate of all existing methods and it would be published in academic journals. In 1945, his proof was published but Dr. Rapoport did not survive the war. He died during his deportation to the ostrich concentration camp in 1942. Amongst all the mayhem, the pharmacy continued to operate day and night for almost two years. Pankiewicz and his staff shared the pains and worries of its ghetto's residents. They took an active interest in every Nazi directive that affected the populace. It gave shelter to the people who could possibly be arrested. They would leave the pharmacy in the morning through the annex. Pankiewicz, his staff and various Jews who passed through the pharmacy would drink to good fortune to drown sorrow and dull the pain of those touched directly by fate. They would find out who was gone, who was wounded, and who had lost their closest friends and family. Occasionally, non-Jews would drop into the ghetto. One of them was Dr. Ludwig Zurotsky, a doctor who had permission to enter the ghetto. He used to bring the ghetto residents food, mostly some form of fat, and provided an unusual service. He dyed the hair of old people. He dyed the hair of old people, suddenly making them young and thereby becoming capable of work in the eyes of the Nazis. The pharmacy played its part. Hundreds of litres of liquid dye were sold in the laboratory of the pharmacy. Along with Pankiewicz, three women worked with him untiringly. Irina Drodzikowska, Helena Krajwanik, and Aurelia Danek chortova Towards the end of the war, as the ghetto was closed down and leaving was no longer possible, they became critical to its functioning. They carried out requests, delivered mail, and mediated various matters between ghetto residents and Poles living outside. They did shopping for people, bought gifts required by the Jews, and tried to get medicines which were difficult to obtain. Many of these medicines were given away free of charge. They would give tranquilizers to children to keep them sedated during Nazi raids. They brought in money which the Jews had entrusted to their Polish friends for safekeeping. This money proved crucial, for it helped many survive the ghetto. All of them were doing this at grave personal risk, helping the Jews of the ghetto was punishable by death. And despite all this, the story of Under the Eagle Pharmacy remains relatively unknown. It does have a passing mention in Schindler's list, but outside of that, the story is not mainstream. In situations like these, there will always be stories which will get privileged for intended or unintended reasons. As we travel and encounter the complex history of genocides, we must remember that a lot of hope Sucker and life in the world existed thanks to the sacrifices of ordinary people. If you like this podcast, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IBM network. You can listen to us on the IBM podcast app or ibmpodcast.com. You can also follow us on our social media. We are at IBM podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to reach out to me, I am Utsav Memory on Twitter and YB Travel 42 on Instagram.